You're listening to the Teen Wolf Rewolf. So, so we have been drinking. It's been delightful. We had a whole pizza. We had a whole pizza. We had a whole bottle of champagne. Prosecco, but yes. I'm so sorry. <laughs> Try to make it sound a little bougie for just one second. Well, pizza and prosecco is alliteration. And I'm a fan. You guys can't see this, but I'm <laughs> flipping Julia the bird right now. Both fingers, way up. Okay. Anywho, welcome to the Teen Wolf Rewolf podcast, a podcast where we treat Teen Wolf like it's the end of the semester and we have no participation points. <laughs> My name is Christian. And I'm Julia. And uh, we're feeling really good on this Thursday night. I'm so sorry this episode is coming to you late. Julia has like this new full-time job, but she didn't quit her other job, so she's working two jobs full-time, so we had to put it off. It's been, it's been a mess, but here we are. Can you pay my bills? Can you pay my telephone bills? I can now. You're free to pay my telephone bills. I can't pay my own telephone bills. You should ask my stepdad, but yeah. <laughs> okay, I'll just call your <laughs> stepdad. Real like, hey, I'm thinking about moving my plan over into your guys' family plan. What do you what, think? What's that like? He'll be like, who are you? <laughs> Absolutely not. Okay. Anyway. Anywho. So, this week we watched episode seven of season one. It is called Night School because... Every episode of any television show that takes place in a school at night is called Night School. <laughs> Which, does Night School even exist anymore? Do people yeah, still... Okay. I assume so. I mean, I'm sure, but like, it's not like cultural lexicon no. anymore, really, like it was. Did you ever watch Night Court? Did I ever watch what? Night Court. It's no. It's a really dumb, dumb, dumb sitcom. Okay. Anyway. Oh, you're, you're leaving at that? What's it about? <laughs> it's literally about... Court, like a, a court of law at nighttime. It's very weird. There is an episode of Doctor Who that takes place in a school at night. It's in like, it's in the Billy Piper, David Tennant season, and it is called Night School. And Sarah Jane Smith is in it. Oh, we love Sarah Jane Smith. Not to reveal myself as like a really cringy person who can just recall Doctor Who details at the drop of a hat. Christian, but. I own a TARDIS blanket. Yeah, we do. <laughs> I have a sonic screwdriver somewhere in my childhood bedroom, I think. The blanket's in... in it's in the house, in yeah. The house, no, yeah. It is. I just, I feel like, listen, I feel like I have to qualify that I, like, do not still stand or even really ever think about Doctor Who, and upon its, like, mentioning, I usually feel a little weird. <laughs> we could do an entire bonus episode about our Doctor Who feelings, and it would probably be, like, two hours long. yeah. I still have feelings. Oh, me too. About, but they cut off after, like, in mid-Matt Smith, because that's when I stopped watching. Oh, well, that's fine, because they retconned his entire character. Oh, they did, because they were like, oh, Gallifrey's alive, but, like, the most interesting part about him was that he was like, I killed my people. Literally. <laughs> anyway. Otherwise, he would have just been some, like, annoying manic pixie dream boy, but, like. He is still that. Yeah. But that's not the only thing he is. This is not what we were talking about. No. Sorry for the Doctor Who sidebar. Episode 7 was directed by Tim Andrew, who also directed The Purge, fun fact. And the first Purge? Not yeah. like, not, no, I, I mean like the very first Purge movie. There have been several. Yeah, no, okay. like the OG Purge. Yes. Um, and it was written by Jeff Davis and Jeff Fleming, that guy again. Last name pronunciation? Still not sure. Still unclear. Should we just come up with a different, weirder pronunciation for it every time we have to say his name? Jeff Vlaming. Jeff Vlaming. Yep. Yep. If we purged, what would you do? I would break into Sephora and steal a full-size Natasha Denona palette. Obviously. Like, you're not going to be one of those people who's like, I would eliminate, like, college debt. You're like, I'm going to Sephora. See, here's the thing. I, like, am, I have nowhere near the, like, technological sophistication to possibly forgive everyone's student debt. So I'm just going to, like, take care of my eyeshadow needs for the year. Fair. And let someone else do that. Yeah. Because someone would. Like, yeah. I have faith. I love when, like, influ even influencers, like, beauty gurus are like, I have this full-size Natasha Denona. I did not buy it because even they can't fucking dish out the $400 it costs to buy a Natasha Denona palette. Yeah. But they're so they totally can. I mean, Tati can buy a Natasha Denona palette, but she always has oh, to wait. clarify, like, don't worry, normal people. I didn't buy this. 
Because it is crazy expensive. So many dollars. So now that we're done on the Natasha Denona front, also DM us with what you would do during the purge. Uh, oh, would you please. like to do a 60 second recap for our sure. episode? Do you want to go first? Sure. We just watched it. So um, we just watched it for the second time, but we didn't pay attention during either time. No, so. we watched it because we didn't pay attention the first time. And then we spent the second time talking about um, men we would have let ruin our lives. So who did we say? Things. Oh yeah. Christian Slater. Christian Slater specifically in the Heathers, which like is actually the point of the movie. She lets that man ruin her life. Yeah. And also James Bader in Pretty in Pink. Yeah. But only in Pretty and Pink. Yeah. Julia, would you like to go first in our 60-second recap? I would. Are you ready? Yep. Okay. Oh, my God. I said it to one second. One minute. <laughs> <laughs> you got to go real fast. Um, you're done. <laughs> That's it. That's all you got. Okay, are you ready? Mm-hmm. One. Oh, as we take another sip of wine. Now are yep. you ready? Yes, I'm okay. super ready. One, two, three. Okay, so we pick up where we left off last episode. Um, they are at the school. The Alpha has come. And when I say they, I mean Scott and Styles. Um, they run into the school to get away from the Alpha. Cut to um, Allison. Scott has not shown up to their date like he said they would. Lydia and Jackson go to pick them up. I don't know what that was. Um, they get to the school because Allison gets a really uh, creepy text from Scott being like, need you to come to school urgent. Scott and Styles are running around the school trying to get away from the Alpha. He murders the janitor. Um, the rest of the crew eventually shows up and they all uh, get together. Lydia comes up with a fantastical idea of a self-igniting Molotov cocktail. Um, and Scott goes up to face the Alpha, not before telling everyone that it is actually Derek who is coming after them all. Um, the Molotov cocktail doesn't work on the Alpha. The janitor's under the bleachers. Um Alpha comes after Scott, but eventually does nothing. Um, Scott comes back to the classroom. He's, like, almost wolfed out, but he, like, calms down at the last moment. You're done. I was really close to the end. You were, and you actually know more about this episode than I think I do. It's really detailed. I didn't go on a tangent this time, which I think helped. No. No editorial. You did crack your elbow really grossly in the middle of that. I don't know what happened. I just, like, extended it, and there it went. So goes. Um, Cool. Alrighty. For this episode, both nothing happens and a lot happens. Yeah. I feel like that was our our big problem. Alright. We will talk about our problems with this episode in a moment. It's boring. Okay. So, ready. One minute on the clock, starting now. So, Scott and Stylus are at the school, and Derek has just been killed, question mark, by the (laughs) Alpha. And they run in the school, and they're trying to figure out a way out. And in the meantime, the Alpha texts texts Allison off of Scott's phone to tell her to come to school. So, Jackson and Lydia both come to school. And while they're trying to trap the Alpha, the Alpha kills a janitor. And then Scott and Stiles and Allison and Jackson and Lydia all end up in a classroom. And Scott says he's going to go try to get the key off the Alpha's body after telling them that Derek is the one who's killing them off the Alpha's body, the janitor's body. After telling them that that Derek is the one who's trying to kill them. And then the Alpha howls and Scott wolfs out, but Jackson also freaks out because he's like partially werewolf at this point. But then Scott stops himself from hurting anybody else and they get out of school because Styles' dad eventually shows up because Styles left him a really scared voicemail per Jackson's recommendation and they get out. And then Deaton's there. Ten seconds left. (gasps) Nice, and you got things I didn't get. So I think I feel like you got stuff I didn't get, I got stuff you didn't get, and that's the point of us both doing this every time. Exactly. I think our listeners will be very well informed, as if you have not watched the episode many times as we have. If you haven't watched Teen Wolf, what are you doing here? Yeah. Also, please watch it. It's great. I mean, you should watch it definitely. We want you to. We want to share this experience with the world. Yep. People are like, what should I watch? And I have to, like, examine, like, their personality a little bit before I'm like, okay, so this is dumb, but... But every person I've recommended Teen Wolf to has been like, I love this, and Scott McCall is a dumb bitch. That's the thing that they text me the most, and I'm like, you're correct. Do you know who you have, who you have to thank for that? Me. I because know. I was like, you should watch Teen Wolf, and then you texted me, Scott McCall is a dumb bitch. Which he is, but he I do is. want to talk about Scott's intelligence. Yes, we have some things to say on that front, because he does demonstrate quite a bit of it in this episode. Yes. Um, Um, But first, let's talk about what we watched this episode through. So we watched this episode through the theme of miscommunication, of which, in which, it is abundant. I mean, miscommunication is like the theme that makes the world go round in terms of television plots, but it is is particularly Without miscommunication, there would not be drama. Yeah. It It is is the premises 
of every Shakespeare, every Chekhov, and every episode of Teen Wolf. Yes, those all fall in the same like <laughs> category of art. All in the higher echelons of their form. Yes. Um, you have like, you know, Shakespeare, and then you have modernist drama, and then you have MTV teen 45-minute fairs. Yeah. Yeah. That's all the same thing, right? Classic. Well, they're just all at the height of each of their genres. Yes. yes. I would agree. Mm-hmm. I mean, MTV never did anything else that was this, that was this good. I mean, people kind of like Scream Queens. I disagree. Um, although it's not a fictional property, Lindsay Lohan's Beach Club. No, fictional I property. Can't. Also, I was having this conversation with my coworkers the other day about like how good old MTV property used to be when it was like all like reality, but like reality that wasn't like reality television as we know it. It was like date my mom, pimp my ride, room raiders, next, like that shit, the premise, wild. Her mind. MTV was on to something else, and I would still watch Pin My Ride today. I would have so much fun. Because you know what? X gonna give it to you. It's true. So, what are some elements of miscommunication that stand out to you in this episode? I think the primary instance is the fact that Allison comes to the school because she thinks that Scott has asked her to meet him there. Mm -hmm. But as we know, Scott phone got obliterated by Derek like two episodes ago. Yeah, which is super rude of Derek. I know, Scott has <laughs> money problems. Derek is a dickbag. Derek is literally sitting on a vault of money that we know exists under Beacon Hills High School <laughs> from whatever the hell is happening in season four. And oh he takes God. Scott McCall's phone, which he cannot afford to replace, and breaks it. I also find it funny though that like Scott has a Blackberry, which is like the bougiest of phones at the time at, of the era. Yeah. Um, no one had the iPhone yet though. Yeah. But Scott not having a phone makes things um, really difficult. Also kind of begs the question as to why Allison like absolutely thought it was him. Well, she doesn't know that he hasn't gotten his phone replaced. Like they haven't spoken all, you know, in the last couple of hours That's since true. school. So like it could have been the Scott been like, "Oh, I better go run to go get my phone replaced or something." Maybe. And she's like, "Oh, cool, Scott got his phone back." Yeah. But it, it is interesting because it is not only is it miscommunication because it is not Scott actually trying to contact Allison. It is the Alpha deliberately bringing her into the situation. Mm-hmm. The Alpha, who we know is Peter. Like let's just call him Peter. Like Peter is seeking a revenge on the Argents, which he has kind of all the reason to want to do mm-hmm. and then uses Scott as bait basically to get Allison to come to the school. And then that just so happens to bring along Jackson and Lydia, which are kind of un- unintended casualties in this moment. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah. They were not supposed to come with. No. I also think it's, it adds kind of a fun element to Peter's villainy that he is so technologically savvy. It becomes less of a plot point when he is like a recurring character on the show, but like, when it's actually revealed that Peter is the alpha, he's, like, got a Mac, and he's, like, you know, texting and sending people wrong messages and things like that, which I think is... Weird for somebody who's been in a coma for six years, because the six years between 2005 and 2011 was, like, a massive technological gap. Yeah, the miscommunication of the text... Is scary, because it is a little bit, like, that is something that can happen. And, like, mm-hmm. you get texts from numbers that look like yours or look like your friend's numbers and stuff. And, like, that is obviously a little bit more common now in the era of the robocall. Yeah. Which is just freaking infuriating. But, like, why would Scal- like why would Scallison? Clearly something's on the brain. Why would Allison have any reason to believe that it wasn't Scott, you know? Mm-hmm. Um, what is another instance of miscommunication you notice that you want to dig into? Um, well... More of, like, an intentional misdirection mm-hmm. where um, after everyone is kind of gathered at the school and they have been chased by the Alpha into what I presume is the cafeteria. I'm pretty sure it is because they push, like, a refrigerator thing against the door. Um, Scott tells everyone that the person coming after them is Derek. Mm-hmm. Which we know not to be true because Scott and Styles saw Derek die. They think he's dead. Everyone thinks he's dead at this point. I personally know he's alive, but still think yeah, he's dead. But like logically, he should be. All of the blood that came out of his mouth, disgusting and 
you know. But anyway, so like Scott says that to kind of intentionally throw everybody off, but no one's really buying it and no one's really calling him on it. So it's like... Well, Allison does say later you're a on, liar. Yeah. But she doesn't like directly challenge him on it. And then later on when they are talking to um, the sheriff, mm-hmm. Scott repeats the same lie. Yeah. Which is weird to me because what does that do for Scott? The thing is, like, the what Scott should do in this moment is deny any knowing. Mm-hmm. He should be like, I, too, was lured to the school by a mysterious text message. I don't know what's happening, but I know the janitor is dead. Like, blah, blah, blah. Like, if he was just mm-hmm. sat there and was like, I know as much as you guys, everybody would probably feel a lot more comfortable in, like, accepting his lies because they'd be like, fine. Okay, we're all scared. Mm-hmm. We don't know what's happening. You know, whatever. But, like, because Scott seems to know a little bit too much, it's very disconcerting for the people around him, except for Styles, who obviously knows as much, but even confronts him being like, why did you say it was Derek? Yeah. And there's also the issue of when they call the police. Yeah. Um, and the police say that, oh, we were told that there were going to be some crank calls coming from the high school, which seems like a very strange thing to not investigate as a police department. So there's, like, that miscommunication as well. Yeah. Which is, like... Again, like, willful misdirection. Also, if you grew up in a town with a police department that probably didn't have that much to do, I know for a fact that they will send a police car if you call 911 on a butt dial. Oh, yeah. So, where I worked, you had to dial 91 to, like, get an outside line. Mm-hmm. And the number of times people accidentally called 911 and then, like, hung up because you were like, oh, Shit, like, I just called 911. But they send a cop anyway because they're like, oh, someone accidentally called 911 from this place. We know exactly where you are. We'll just come anyway. Or because sometimes people call 911 and they can't speak. Yeah. They're like, the point is the police will dispatch at least somebody who's not doing anything at that particular point. Like, also to be like, we knew that there was going to be a prank call about the high school. Why would you not just send someone to go patrol? Because odds are that means something is happening at the Yeah, it implies that there's some shenanigans happening. And this is like a suburb, suburban cops. Like, they have nothing to do except for, like, well, give people tickets because it's the end of the month and they haven't met their fucking quota. And not only that, but we, there was just that episode where a civilian killed a mountain lion and, like, did the sheriff's duty for him, essentially. So why would you not be looking for every opportunity to redeem yourself? Yeah. Well, no, because his dad does... Is the one to send the cops. Yeah, it's Sheriff. Yeah, but he's not the one who's picking up dispatch calls. Like, that is just the desk person. But, like, if I had heard, and I don't even think this would even get to the sheriff, but if I was a cop and they were like, oh, we have a, a, we've heard that there's going to be prank calls at the high school, you would have either been like, well, we'll send somebody to watch the high school tonight, or let's be on the lookout to make sure that that's not actually, like, you know, so we know what the difference between a prank call is. Mm -hmm. So who fucking prank calls the cops? We have a lot of questions about this episode. Yes. Why was there a noise on our roof? No, my pen just dropped <laughs> oh, in the God. couch and you thought that was the roof? It's, it came from like behind me. I was confused. No. There should be no one on our roof because we are we live on the top floor. Well, I guess if there was going to be somebody on our roof, it would be on the top floor because that's where the roof is. Yeah. But you mean we don't the have upstairs is, neighbors? Yeah, we don't have upstairs yeah. neighbors. Thank God we're Thank the annoying upstairs neighbors. <laughs> Guys, when we were in college, we had downstairs neighbors who were, the worst. who were louder than us as upstairs neighbors. They were like, we've never heard you guys even make a noise. But here's the thing. They were in an acapella group and never shut up. Oh, my God. It, was it would be best. like 3 a.m. and I'd hear somebody practicing their runs through the vents. And I'd be like, how and you are we? you on the top floor. I did. I was like, how are we, the upstairs neighbors, the annoying people in this conglomerate? I mean, the unannoying people in this club. I mean, I'm annoying personally as an yes, upstairs neighbor, but, but like, like, it was know. wild. And you have really heavy boots. We all do. I think that me personally, no, like, no, no. I walk heavy. I mean, I do also wear heavy shoes. Yeah. Just picture me in full goth wear, everybody. <laughs> the dream? Yeah, the dream. I didn't, I didn't go goth in high school, and that's when I should have. It's your one and only time, unless you're, like, really going to commit to that and not have a real job. Fair. Yeah. 
Um, so other instances of miscommunication, because I want to talk about Jackson and Lydia, and I really want to talk about Jackson and Allison. Yeah, there's a whole lot of weirdness going on between them, um, because I think that Jackson is actively distancing himself from Lydia. Oh, yeah. This starts a trend that is, then culminates in their breaking up in season two, for Mm -hmm. sure. Um, where there was that really bizarre interaction with him and Allison in the previous episode where they're like sitting against the lockers and having that really weird conversation. And we were talking about what the motivation was for Jackson to be talking to Allison like that. And it's like, is it to get closer to Scott? But I do think on like a very basic level, I think that Jackson's into Allison because he clearly, like he clearly is. is like he is into Allison and like kind of doesn't know how to, break it to Lydia or he like doesn't know how to deal with it but also you could be into somebody and not want to sacrifice your relationship with that person which I think is actually kind of like a a topic that doesn't necessarily get covered very much because so much of like the attraction is demonstrated in television is like if someone's into somebody and they're also into them they will sleep together and it will ruin that relationship but in like adult life you can have moments where you're like in a relationship with somebody be into somebody else and just choose not to pursue it and, like, have to deal with that, which is what I think Jackson is doing because it's not like him and Allison ever get together. Yeah. But, like, all of a sudden there's a new person in his life who he is attracted to and wants attention from but, like, doesn't know how to navigate that without breaking up with Lydia because he doesn't want to do that and he doesn't want to cheat on Lydia, which he never does. Mm-hmm. So I think that is something interesting. I also think it's interesting how much, in, in terms of miscommunication... Jackson and Lydia are now stepping on each other's toes. It feels like anything that they say to each other pisses the other one off, even if it's Mm -hmm. totally innocuous. Which is interesting because I think a lot of their relationship is really combative, and, like, that seems to be part of their dynamic, where they kind of, like, sniff at each other. And that continues, but there's a definite shift that you can tell just based in, like, their body language and kind of the way that they're, like, looking at each other. Because it's a lot of the similar things that they say, mm-hmm. but it just beca- it becomes a little meaner. It becomes a little sharper. It's be- because it's not the joy of competition, which is yeah. why I think a, a lot of their chemistry is based on. And it's interesting, and you do have that with people in your life. It is now an annoyance with somebody kind of checking you a little bit. Mm-hmm. Someone's rubbing up against you, and you're not really liking it. But even basic things were like... Lydia ends up following Jackson into the school because, well, I, she probably doesn't actually have to go to the bathroom because she just wants to follow him. But she's like, well, are you really annoyed with me for, you know, a basic bodily function? He says, I'm annoyed with all your functions, Mm -hmm. which is kind of really mean. Also, what if she just had to pee? But like, if you're, if you're in a relationship, you're never going to be like, oh gosh, I can't believe my partner has to go to the bathroom or whatever. Yeah. But then he's now in a place where, like, because he and Lydia have been kind of jabbing each other for the last couple episodes, he's like, I am annoyed with literally everything you do. So it's not you going to the bathroom. It's you as a person. (laughs) And they're together pretty much all the time. Because they don't have any other friends. They, like, pretend it's gotten Alice and their friends, but they're, like, like, we've said this before, like, King Jackson and Queen Lydia, they have subjects, not friends. Yeah. So when you're constantly around somebody like that, it is going to piss you off. Yeah. And I think Allison represents this very different... Like, it's she's so different from Lydia. Like, she's much more emotional. And not that Lydia doesn't have emotions, but she seems much more logical about them all and, like... Everything that she does is very calculated, and Allison is very, like, willful and just kind of, like, acts without thinking a lot of the time. Mm-hmm. And I think that Al- Jackson finds that attractive. Well, I also think that, like, because Lydia is so um, committed to, like, keeping her emotions in check, or even, not even keeping parts of her personality locked away, like, mm-hmm. Jackson can tell when he's being manipulated, and sometimes he doesn't really care because he loves Lydia, but eventually when you see somebody who's not kind of pushing their partner in all different directions, like Allison is with Scott, you kind of, like, grass is greener, right? Yeah. And that's not saying that Lydia is, like, abusive in any way, like, I don't want that to be the connotation of what I'm saying, but he does see how other people are interacting in their relationship, and who's to say that Jackson would even be happy in a relationship as Scott and Allison are, like, as I think he really does thrive off of his kind of weird neuroses with Lydia. Mm-hmm. Um, but I think he's now considering different places to put his feelings. Yeah. And Allison 
kind of reciprocates his she energy. She does. And she is like, when we talked earlier, when Styles punches Jackson, which is like, how did I never remember that that happens? Yeah. It's such a non-affair. Allison is the first person to comfort him. But mm-hmm. the weird thing about that is because Jackson, the reason why Styles punches Jackson is because Jackson effectively attacks him. And so Styles retaliates because he doesn't want to put his dad in danger and Jackson has just grabbed him. And Allison, instead of kind of reading that situation for what it is and agreeing with Styles, goes to Cumber Jackson. But Lydia, who is a smart cookie and understands why Styles has these kind of reservations about doing this and knows that Jackson just like grabbed him and is probably deserving of getting punched, sits back and does nothing. Yeah. And I think I answered... Mm, maybe that's an answer to a question that I have about this episode. Well, let's ask it now because... Which is... Yeah, we so... Don't have to wait. Part of... So when they... They get into a chemistry classroom eventually. And instead of Scott trying to break down the door that goes to the roof, which we were talking about, dumb. super dumb. Scott never uses his wolf powers when they matter most. Not um, the first season. Yeah. He, he grows out of that, but event, but... He also can't really control them yet, so I kind of get it. But he is super strong. Mm-hmm. Anyway, that's not the actual question. Um, my question was, Lydia makes a comment that you can make a self-igniting Molotov cocktail with the ingredients in the chemistry closet, which, by the way, doesn't exist. I just want everyone in the world to know that you still need, a, like, a flaming rag to make a Molotov cocktail. We Googled it. We did. Um, we finally looked <laughs> one thing up. So you're, you're welcome, welcome. Wolfpack. We myth busted for you. <laughs> we myth busted for you. It was the um, first answer on Yahoo Answers. We yes, were like there. Yep. Um, but you were saying. So, when Lydia decides to make this for Scott as he's like going off on his adventure, which she doesn't really protest. She's just kind of like, cool, whatever, do whatever you're gonna do. But she tells Jackson to hand her the sulfuric acid. First of all, I think it's kind of interesting that Lydia isn't doing that completely by herself and that she's relying on Jackson to hand her things. Maybe that's like a concentration thing on her part. But he pauses for a minute and then hands her what is clearly the wrong acid, which we don't know in that moment, but we find out later. We know. We know. But because you know. It's not shady. unconfirmed. Yeah. And then eventually when Scott uses it and it doesn't go up in flames because there's no such thing as a self-ignited Molotov cocktail, um, we know that Jackson gave her the wrong kind of acid. Do we think that is an instance of miscommunication? Purposeful. I think so. Yeah. And I'm kind of wondering if it's because Lydia didn't come to his defense. Interesting. Because she's not comforting him or defending him and he I would almost say though that it's from the beginning like if you if he they had been doing that at the beginning of the episode when he tells her that he's annoyed at all of her functions yeah. if he would have done the same thing or you think that that was the you know the final straw well I think that could be it I think it also might have something to do with the claw marks in his neck or something just because it doesn't serve him to not give her the right acid because this Whatever it is is trying to attack all of them, and so if Scott fails, it's coming after them next. But he's so, saying that Jackson might have some like unconscious alpha loyalty, possibly. I mean, he got clawed by Derek, but yeah. he is visibly affected when the alpha howls. But the alpha is still technically Derek's alpha, so that's like, true. Yeah, so it would make sense. But it's it's funny because he wouldn't turn from Derek's scratch because we know that Derek's not an alpha, so there'd be no reason for it. Mm-hmm. Is that why he never fully turns? Uh, from the scratches? Because we know that Derek bites him later. Yes. I don't think he does. Okay. Well, because Derek's not an alpha at the point. Yeah. He bites him when he is an alpha. But he still has, you know, werewolf. Werewolfness. Business. Yeah. I don't know. Maybe werewolf it's just his pathogens. DNA. Yeah. He shares it with Peter, so. Oh, Derek. Yeah. I think with Jackson. I was like, whoa, what five well, you know, points did I miss? I knew about Malia, but. No. Interesting. Oh, Malia. Cannot wait. <laughs> That's part of the problem with like rewatching is because you're like, oh, I miss all of these characters who are in the later seasons when you just really want them to show up, but it's not time yet. It's okay, because Isaac comes in next season. Yes. Oh, sweet baby. Love so much. I love Isaac. Get ready for that. Just me gushing. So much. But let's gush a little bit about. The characters in this episode. So I kind of want to talk about the structure of this episode a little bit because 
Because I don't think it's done very well. <laughs> no, this is not a great Teen Wolf episode. No, it's a, kind of boring. It's perfectly average. It happens entirely at night. And it happens visually like, boring. basically within an hour. And listen, like you can make a very compelling television that only exists in one hour of the day. That was the entire premise of 24. Mm-hmm. And you can also make really compelling television that happens only within one space or one area of a set. Because there have been truly amazing bottle episodes, even of Teen Wolf. There's a bottle episode in season three that, you know, knocked my socks off. But this episode didn't do either of those well. Yeah. Because it is just four people, four, five, math, five people (laughs) who are just kind of running from room to room and are frightened or whatever about what's chasing them, but never really see what's chasing them with the exception of Scott. And because none of their conversation lies in anything that isn't about how frightened they are, we do not get the typical, like, character development or exploration we do in a bottle episode, and there's not actually enough action to fill a one-hour space of an episode of television in only one hour of the television time. Mm -hmm. So what are we supposed to make of this? You know, I think it's interesting because we just did our episode on the Blair Witch Project, and, like... That, I don't know how long that movie is exactly. It's like an hour and a half. Mm-hmm. And, like, the last ten minutes are terrifying and earned because of all of the things that happened before it. But, like, there is nothing about the way that this episode is set up that makes you scared or anxious. Because, like, you see the alpha. Like, you... There's no real sense of suspense or, like... There's I don't, not like, typical horror tropes that we need to appeal to... No character gets... The characters don't get picked off one by one. Scott leaves of his own volition. He's not abducted. They do not whisper at all. Ever they talk There's never a sense of, of preservation from any of these. They're clearly scared, and I think this is a good performance specific... Good performance specifically delivered by Crystal Breed in this episode. Mm-hmm. But other than that, there's not enough to make me feel like the stakes are high enough to be interested in it. That is, that is a big problem. And the stakes in Teen Wolf are normally fairly They're high. Very high. Yeah. Because people are dying. Mm-hmm. But I think someone dies in this episode and you don't even care. He get, just gets red shirted. Yeah, you don't that's the problem is that you don't care at all. And, and none of the characters are truly in danger of dying. And I think you're no. very well aware of that the whole time. Yeah. Because they again they like don't get separated from the group. Like none of them make any truly stupid decisions, which And is they don't even do the Scooby Doo let's split up, which yeah. would really frighten you because you're mm-hmm. like, which group is gonna run to the alpha first? Mm-hmm. No, they all stay together. So they do and, all which is annoying right. because <laughs> if they had done the Scooby Doo, you could have had like a conversation between like Jackson and Styles and like done something that would just be which would have just been objectively funny. Yeah. You know, you could have split them up in a way that doesn't necessarily make sense for who they would pair off as characters, but how they get paired off in this episode. Like, there were ways to make this more interesting that just failed. Well, it's also not even funny. So no, you don't like, laugh at all. It doesn't have, like, enough... It doesn't have high enough stakes to be very suspenseful. It's not funny enough to make up for the lack of suspense. It's very middling, and it's very dark. And I'm just like... And darkness is not inherently an issue, but there's nothing. there was nothing reaching from beyond the darkness that kept us scared. And it was also too dark to see anything interesting, so... Yeah. It's just not interesting. And I feel like most of season one, Teen Wolf is like at night. And most of season three. Like... Most of season... Most of season. Yeah. Is at night and in the dark. But there's enough about some of the stuff that happens in those other episodes. Like, we see more than one episode at a rave. Where it's at night, but you're only seeing what's happening in, like, the blue... Like, the black lights or whatever. Like, yeah. you can make your night episodes interesting, but to have one that's like this... Where it, all we... Really all we're seeing is light coming through blinds, you know? Mm-hmm. Okay. Skipping to my questions early. Why doesn't anyone... Turn on the goddamn lights. They're not locked. No, they're not Have locked. Have you ever been in a school at night? The lights are on, and if they're not, you turn them on. I think it would have made sense for them to turn them on in, in the beginning. Yeah. Um, when they're first in a school. Or but... not even Scott in, and Styles because they're trying to hide, but Jackson, Lydia, and Allison do not know what's happening. They would walk in and be like, it's dark in here. Lights on. You know? Oh, yeah. And to be quite honest with you, even if I went 
to somewhere and like I wasn't expecting this like supernatural alpha creature to pop out of nowhere, I'd be a little spooked. Like I'd be a little unnerved if I yeah. walked into a place and it was like dark and I couldn't see anything and like there'd be a shadow in the corner. I'd be like, oh, I don't. It's scary don't coming into your own goddamn apartment <laughs> at night. That's like, true. Turn the lights on. Just yeah. in the hallway in the classroom. Like, once they're running from the alpha, they wouldn't turn the lights on because they are trying to hide or whatever, keep a low profile. But, again, first, they pull out flashlights. Jackson has a flashlight in his car. And why is why was that your instinct? So the lights are really um, nonsensical. It's funny because they tried to structure... I didn't mean to cut you off, but I'm saying something. They try to structure this like a horror movie, directed by a horror director, and it flops, which is crazy because they've done horror already really well in this season. I feel like they, maybe they felt like they couldn't do that again, which is ridiculous because if you're trying to build like a, a motif or a feeling for a show, just like go for it, commit. Double down. Double down. That is our motto in that life. That is our motto you in life. It. You heard it here. Unless you're being canceled, then do not double down. <laughs> no, then, then admit your mistakes. Gina Rodriguez. Um, yeah, but other than that, double down. Mm-hmm. Um, you know what they actually, they did double down on, which they were wrong and they should have not doubled down on? Having the alpha and the drop ceiling. <laughs> <laughs> okay. Drop ceiling could not support me, Christian, normal-sized woman weight. It could not support Judd Nelson. It can definitely not support a ton werewolf. No. No. I I wasn't two ton, but then I was like, this werewolf (laughs) is not the size of a Range Rover. No. Well, what I think is interesting is it it almost references some other teen films. So being in the drop ceiling, that is a Breakfast Club reference. Yeah. Being in the bleachers or in the boiler room, that is... Heathers. Heathers, completely. Or at least it is to me. And I would hope that that's not, like, unintentional. But if you were going to make those references, lean into it. You, like, didn't do it enough. Yeah, have the, have the Molotov scene happen in the boiler room, you know? Yeah. Or so, something. Anything. Something. Something, something. Yeah, just nothing was committed to enough. And, like... Here's the thing. Any television show is going to have flop episodes. Any television show that runs for long enough is going to have flop seasons. There are seasons of Mad Men, which is my favorite show, which are bad. And that's fine because enough of Mad Men is wrapped around it that's very good. And I think that's how Teen Wolf is too. But this episode sticks out as a sore thumb in this season of being like, why? Would... nothing was accomplished point A to point B. Mm-hmm. Well, you know what I think is interesting about this episode, which is not explored enough, is that this is kind of at least I think the first indication that the alpha isn't working alone. And I'm not sure if that's something that they mention. They definitely don't mention it in this episode. And I don't know if that's something that they figure out before the reveal Mm -hmm. of like the nurse. But when you think about the fact that like the alpha has just been running around the school doing God knows what he had time to kill the janitor and then string him up onto the bleachers all the while trying to, quote unquote, trying to find the kids. He knew exactly where they were because he Mm -hmm. could hear their heartbeats, but like stalking them essentially. So I think the implication, at least to me, is that there was someone else there helping him out and no one seems to realize that yet. Mm -hmm. And I don't know if that's just me looking at it from a perspective of having watched this multiple times and knowing what happens, but I think it's pretty clear that the alpha couldn't have done that all by himself. I also just don't necessarily understand what the alpha was trying to accomplish in this, let alone... If he wanted to kill Scott, he would have killed Scott. If he wanted to abduct Scott, he would have pulled him away from the pack when he had the chance. Like, there's nothing about this episode that makes me feel like anybody is actually following through on their objectives. I think... Well, you asked me when we were watching it, like, why does he want Allison to come to the school? And we do find out at the end of the episode when Scott is like, he wants me to kill my old pack. But my initial thought was he wants Scott to kill Allison just, like, as an argent revenge kind of thing. Mm-hmm. Which serves both purposes, but one is much more integral to the Alpha's mission. Yeah. So I think you're right. It's Their their objectives are murky at best. Yeah. Also, there has to be better ways for those things to happen. And Peter is smarter than that. We know that Peter is, like, an evil genius. Yeah, he's an evil genius, and this episode makes the Alpha look like a moron. Yes. 
Um, but while we're kind of talking about shit that doesn't make sense, would you like to move into questions and observations? Yeah, I have a big one. Okay, go ahead. Big question. So you're going first. Sorry, I just... No, you seem eager. This is like... Hit me. I was thinking about this because in the last episode, Scott does that huge wolf howl, which does not sound like a wolf. It actually kind of sounds like like a, a gorilla yelling. Um... I don't spend enough time around gorillas. (laughs) Into the microphone. And um, the alpha knows where to come him. I'm sure that the next three counties heard that howl. Where are the Argents? Where are they? They must have heard it. They must have figured out where it was coming from. Allison is there because Scott texted her to meet her at the school. Where is Kate? Where is Chris? They have they all of that, like, high-tech werewolf hunting business. Where they at? You don't think that that's, you know, they don't have, like, a radar? Like, a werewolf ham radio type I'm deal? I'm sure that they do. Don't they have a police scanner? They must. Yeah. They must, like, oh. Is it illegal for citizens to have police scanners? Um, I don't know that it's, I don't know that it's illegal. I'm sure that it's highly frowned upon illegal. I'm not 100% sure. Hmm. We don't know. Yes. Here's the problem with that question. I personally cannot answer it. So if anybody else has thoughts about what they're up to, because they would not just be keep they would be keeping explicit tabs on the alpha at this point. They sure would. And they we know that they kind of have thoughts about who the other beta is. Cuz it's not just Derek, mm-hmm. they now know. So where are they at? Yeah. Well, Also is Allison still grounded? Probably. But she was blatantly waiting in front of her home. Just yeah. Just like in the garage. In the garage way. What? The garage the way. In the the Arsons McMansion. That house is so ugly. Tremendously ugly. It is just like... It's like crazy. The weird thing is, is I don't think that the Argents are supposed to be, like, nouveau riche. Like, I think they're supposed to be, like, old money. Yeah. And so have they, this tacky McMansion. It's so gross. And, like, Scott and, and Styles both live in these, like, cute old homes. I cannot believe that the Argents are, like, old money and live in that terrible, awful house. And that Allison dresses so poorly. No, Allison dresses very well for the time. Stop trying to apply to her 2019. Are terrible. I, the, I we were just talking about how the outfit in this episode is really, is really good. good. But do you know what? But the thing that really bothers me is that I very rarely have complaints about Lydia's outfits, and I almost always have complaints about Allison's outfits. I have complaints about some about Lydia, Lydia's outfits, but the thing about Lydia is that she dresses really classically, and Allison dresses very in style. Of the times. So that's what you're going to get. And Allison's costuming gets so good by season three because... She just wears black and leather. No, but do you know... Okay, do you know... Okay, do you know the episode where Isaac is, like, coming to check in on Allison and she attacks him, but she's wearing, like, these patterned fishnets and this, like, short little dress and boots and she looks so good and you're like, wow, I can't believe I'm shipping... Alisac? What's their ship name? I don't like Alisac, so if someone knows... No, it definitely sounds like Ballsack, but if you know what their ship name is, let me know. But, like, that, I remember being the first moment where I was like, she looks good, he looks good, I ship it, for sure. Well, it's unfortunate because Crystal Reed is a very pretty person. She's a babe. Yeah. No, she is cute in this (laughs) season. It is just only cute by 20... We cannot keep being like... Why doesn't she dress like, you know, who's... I'm not asking days. why she yeah. does. I'm just saying I don't like it. Oh, I don't like it either. There's a reason we don't wear low-waisted pants anymore. Where the heck am I supposed to put my flubber? If any of our listeners are trying to bring low-waisted <laughs> pants back, you can fuck right off and die because I cannot do I it. I can't do it. Where am I, where am I supposed to put my butt? Where is it supposed to go? Asking the real question. I'm asking a real question. That is actually our question. So that wraps up questions and observations. Uh, um, that was my really, really my only question. Really question. So okay, you, here's my question. Yeah. I have two questions. Okay. One, um, why does Scott follow through telling the sheriff it was Derek? Why does he... Okay, another instance where you do not have to double down because it doesn't always work. He... Again, just tell him, I don't know what happened. And if the sheriff is like, why did you tell them it was Derek? He could be like, Derek was here. I was scared. Like, whatever. Like, none of these idiots ever fall back on the fact that they are dumb teenagers. Which, when you are a dumb teenager, 
it is your number one defense where you can be like, mom, I didn't know that that was Mike's hard lemonade. <laughs> no, no. Your number one defense is my mom said I couldn't. And then you're saying, well, no, I didn't know. My mom said I couldn't is your defense against people who are not your parents. But the, I didn't know is a defense you have against authority figures. Yeah. I'm like, oh, I just didn't know. My grandmother once took my um, grandfather's like fun sports car for like a joy ride in the seventies and was speeding and this officer like pulled her over and she was like tr- doing her absolute best to like play dumb my grandmother's very good at it and she was like officer i oh my god thank god you're here i'm so confused this car has two speedometers <laughs> and he was like lady i've been following you for the last 10 miles i know you know how to drive this car that is so funny <laughs> That's my favorite my mom's story um always fall back on the fact that you are Either double down or pretend you're an idiot. Yeah. That's the, that's <laughs> the, the lesson of, life. of the team. Like level. Christian and Julia. <laughs> We're going to write a self-help book and you guys will all be far worse off. It's not a self-help book. It's a self-destruct book. I'll cheers to that. Clink, clink. Clink. We just hit plastic on plastic, so there was no fun noise. I have a wine glass sitting right next Here, to too. me. We'll, we'll actually do it for the, for the fans. Ready? Yes. By the mic. Love it. Cheers. Did you have any other... No. That was my question. Why? Why does Scott... This is for you to answer. Why does Scott tell the sheriff that it was Derek? Well, I don't know that there's any harm in him saying that it was Derek. Well, I guess since they think he's dead, no. But exactly. Like, why are they besmirching a dead man like that? Well, because... I think Scott is convinced that, like, Derek has done something nefarious. Styles certainly thinks so. Mm-hmm. And, like, thinks that he's not to be trusted. I don't think that that, like, justifies telling the sheriff. But still, I think that that might be it. Well, like, there's there are zero consequences. At least they think that there are zero consequences to telling the sheriff that it was Derek. Mm-hmm. Because they think he's dead. Yeah. And no one can follow up on their story. Yeah. My thing about... Styles having all of these reservations about Derek is that we know Styles is smarter than Scott. Mm-hmm. And we know that a lot of his, his intuition is correct. And he's really only right about Derek for a little bit in season two, but he constantly hates Derek for forever, even though we kind of he gets absolved. Mm-hmm. So I would not consider Scott Styles to be like the most emotionally intelligent of these characters. He is logical as opposed to like understanding mm-hmm. but we do see an instance of like serious emotional intelligence from scott in this episode yeah which is i think scott's primary source of intelligence as we know that he can't read um <laughs> he can read but you know what i'm saying but he can't read no Leah michelle can't read she's doing great <laughs> um well no i think that he when he's being pressed to tell everyone who is after them, he knows... They all know Derek. Mm-hmm. They have all been suspicious of him. They've all been, like, weirdly impacted by his presence. And so I think Scott saying that it's Derek gives them, like, something specific to latch onto because then it's not just, like, a nameless um, figure in the dark. Like, you, you mm-hmm. have a... That makes it less scary, like we were talking about with the, the Blair Witch. Like... If you know exactly who it is, it makes it less scary. Yeah. So I think that that is an example of emotional intelligence from Scott. Yes. Um, yeah. Do you have any observations you'd like to make? Um, I have two. Okay. We did, well, we didn't really talk about Deaton a whole lot. Oh, wait. That was my other question. Uh-huh. Deaton. What about him? Why? <laughs> He doesn't do anything to clear his name, and you have to think he might... Deaton knows enough to think that he might be on somebody's suspicious list at this point. So why... Like, Deaton should really have just stayed put. This is a seriously unanswerable question, because we had a similar one from the last episode of, like, why doesn't Deaton tell Derek his relationship with his family? Why doesn't Deaton just come out with the fact that he is not a werewolf, he's a druid? Like... Why does Deaton do any of the things that he does? It is completely I don't mystery. know, and we're really supposed to like him, and, like, I don't hate him by any means, but his whole, like, laissez-faire attitude as to Scott turning into a werewolf and all the trials that come with it in the first season just made me be like, this guy does not 
actually care about Scott. Or do, like, utilize his own skills enough to help anybody at any given point. It just feels, like, self-serving. And, like, he shows back up at the end, and Scott and Styles are, like, sure that he's the alpha. And he says this weird thing about Scott saving him, which is, like, how would Dean or the paramedics know that to be true? Yeah. Where did the paramedics find him? It's a great question. They they are doing a No really one even good knows job. that he was beat up by Derek and no one will know if Derek or Scott doesn't tell them. So I'm like I don't they're, know. They're doing an excellent job of setting you up to think that Deaton is the alpha. But I didn't even think that when I was watching the show the first time. I was like, it could be any of these motherfuckers, but not that one. <laughs> um They had me for a little while. Tell us, Wolfpack, did they have you too? Hmm. I'd be interested. He's I would, shady. He is. I would love if we did this podcast with somebody who had never seen this show before. That is. But then we couldn't yeah. talk about all of the things that we know about this show. Which make it a richer experience, I think. For all of our opinions being educated and reflexive. I hope. I mean, I hope that that's what they sound like. I think they probably just sound like overly invested. People are like, Isn't, why do you guys care? <laughs> Like, but you don't understand. When you've watched this show five times... You've watched it five times? Oh, God. (laughs) Got it. Jeez. This is actually... This is my third time through the first season, but I did not get through my second rewatch, so it will be my second rewatch of the show. Got it. This will be my third full rewatch. Sometimes I'll hop into season three and casually watch Motel California. Oh, I I literally just watch Motel California if I want to cry. I've seen it multiple times. It just... Oh, that episode when we do it is going to... I'm already like setting it up to be like an hour and a half long. I know that we're going to have to talk so much about it. Let us know if you want a commentary track on the episode itself. Or have a commentary track on any episode. I was thinking we might do one on the last episode of this season for Goodbye okay. to Season 1. Oh, we'll think about it. We'll, we'll test the waters. We'll put a poll out. We'll see. We love a poll. Do you have any other questions? Cause, or observations? Because that was the last of my Deaton question, which is like, why is he a buffoon? Well, I've completely forgotten my Deaton observation, but... But? I have another observation. Hit me. Which I just think is really sweet. There are a lot of, like, really sweet detail moments. Like, when Scott uses his claws to get the bullet for Derek because it falls under the grate or whatever, like, these really thoughtful details... Um, Scott is talking to Styles about what the Alpha wants from him, and he's saying that he want the Alpha wants Scott to kill his old pack, and he's listing off the people who are in his pack, and he says Allison, and then he includes Jackson and Lydia, who are mean to him and like are not really his friends, but like they are part of his pack, which I think is a really sweet concept, and they've become bonded by this thing that like. Jackson and Lydia don't know how to articulate because they don't know what's, what's going happening. on. But that has bonded them forever and has made them part of Scott's pack. And it just speaks sweet. so well to Scott to look at those people and be like, they were my responsibility as opposed to my burden. Mm-hmm. And they're my pack. Again, yeah. emotionally intelligent. What a good boy. What a good boy. Yeah. True alpha. Well, that brings us... No. No. I didn't get to do my observations, oh, you fool, right. you buffoon. I, I am one of those, yes. Um, so, one of my observations, and this is something that you don't understand, because guys, guys, Julia has never seen Titanic. I, nope. We'll watch it. I have a lot of gaps in my pop culture knowledge. They're just... I'm filling them in slowly, one at a time, but it's a very large puzzle, and it's a lot of missing pieces. All right, okay. So, Titanic is one of my family's Christmas movies. We don't watch Christmas movies on Christmas. We watch other random movies that are, like, part of our Christmas tradition, including Titanic and Moonstruck. (laughs) That's a good Christmas movie. It's not really a Christmas movie, though, you know? It's winter. I know what you mean. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So, I've seen Titanic many a time, but... End of Titanic. Rose breaks Jack out of the brig, or whatever, while the boat is sinking. That's and boat jail. You're right. Boat jail. Mm-hmm. Cool. 
It's not really a brig, though, in this situation. He's handcuffed to a pipe. You would not know because you have never seen Titanic. Yeah, but... Okay. Shush. People who have seen Titanic are talking. <laughs> but as that scene progresses, as they're trying to work their way back up to the deck of the ship, they're walking through all these hallways, or swimming, rather, and the lights are flicking around off because this is when the electricity in the boat is starting to go. And that is how some of the hallway scenes in this movie look. And... It was the only time I had ever wished that in this movie, in this episode, is the only time I've ever wished that James Cameron had directed anything. <laughs> because, one, the CGI in this episode is so abysmal, and if there's anything that James Cameron can do right, even though he's a ding-dong, it's, like, visual effects. And I just wish that it had been a little bit more paid attention to, like, about how you can use the light to be interesting and beautiful and scary and sad all at the same time as it happens, but some of those passages did remind me of that section of Titanic. And then my other observation was that this is a bottle episode, which is not action enough focused to be important to the plot, but not emotionally enough focused to be an actual bottle episode. And that is why it kind of stunk. I think what you were just saying though, about the CGI kind of hits the nail on the head as to why it kind of stinks is because there is so much care and detail and attention paid to a lot of other episodes in this show. And this, I just don't feel got the same treatment. No, it's the director or the writers, and no offense to anyone involved, but we didn't like this episode. Well, it just felt like um, a stepping stone to the next episode. Yeah. Amazing how all of the complaints that we have about horror, where it's, like, unrealistic, and it's dumb to split up, and all of those things are what make good... Good horror. Good horror, yeah. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> okay, so let's wrap this up, because... We have nothing else to talk about, I don't think. Anything? Thoughts? Not Team Wolf related, no. Well, I don't want to hear your other thoughts, so hold on. Um, do you have an alpha of the week? It's gotta be Scott McCall, man. Why? He is working so hard to keep everyone safe. And he obviously feels incredibly responsible because he's the reason that the alpha is at the school in the first place. And he is not the reason that... Allison and Jackson and Lydia are there, but they're there, and they're his responsibility. And in the end, he is able to change back to his human self and not kill his friends through sheer willpower and learning his wolfiness. And he is trying his best. Also, Styles didn't have a lot of good, like, funny lines. He did punch Jackson, but he's like... See, that... Okay, <laughs> Styles... Hold on. Hold your horses. Styles did not have a lot of funny lines. There's not really a lot of funny you can do if the episode begins with them killing a Brando, which it does. Also, you think that a major character has died. Derek. Oh, yes. Yeah. Yeah. I was like, huh? Because I forgot that we're supposed to think that he's dead because I know he's not. But Styles is my alpha of the week because he he genuinely puts aside a lot of his kind of... um, I guess, you know, character defense mechanisms to try to, one, protect his father. Mm-hmm. And, you know, you mentioned when they're all stacking this, the um, stacking the chairs and stuff in front of the, the door before Styles tells them that they're in a room full of windows that Styles isn't trying hard enough. But part of me thinks that Styles is trying so hard not to key into, like, what would actually make him trip because he is so worried about everything that he just doesn't want to make the situation worse and lets him accomplish their task before being like, guys, I hate to tell you this, but it was for naught. But no, and punching Jackson, which like, one, if there's air a character in the show who needs to get punched in the face, it's probably Jackson and that it's coming from somebody who really likes Jackson. And he does it out of instinct, but also out of like, his last ditch effort to be like, I cannot put somebody I love in danger this or is... any more people I love in danger. And that is why Styles is my alpha of the week. That punch is the Hermione Draco moment of Teen Wolf. Yeah, but people don't ship <laughs> Styles and Jackson, I don't think. I am sure some weirdos out there do. We, we love you, if that's what you ship. No, we don't. That's <laughs> fucking weird. Um, I, listen, in the year of our Lord 2019, I'll shame you if your ship is shitty. <laughs> Um, you can shame yeah. me for my shitty ships. Although most of my ships are canon compliant, so you kind of can't. Especially in Teen Wolf. I'm like, alright. 
most canon ships in Teen Wolf are like the ones you want. Yeah. Eventually, anyway. Sometimes it takes a while to get there. Yeah. Stupid. You're like, Scott and Malia? And then you're like, oh no, Scott and Malia. Hell yeah. They're so stupid they're but together. They're so dumb, but they're so dumb together. Alrighty. Are we done? I'm done. Sorry this episode is coming to you late, you guys. It's just... Been one been, of those weeks. Just been one of those weeks. So, if you would like to keep up to date on when we are posting our episodes, which will usually be on Wednesdays, I promise, you can follow us at TeenWolf underscore ReWolf on Twitter and Instagram, and from there you can follow our personal Twitters and Instagrams if you feel like stalking us. Um, you can also follow us on Tumblr, which is, I think our Tumblr handle is just TeenWolfReWolf. Um, I'm going to try to be more active there, but... We're also working on the Instagram thing, and by we I mean me, but also you... Twitter is really where to find us because I'm way funnier on the internet than I am in the <laughs> podcast, I promise. Um, but other than that, if you guys could leave us a review on iTunes, would we would be eternally grateful. It's how we're going to find new listeners. And if you guys know people who listen to Teen Wolf but maybe aren't on Twitter or like part listen to Teen Wolf, Jesus Christ. The watching and the listening, we're never going to get no, it. No, it's so hard that this is an auditory medium. If you know people who watch Teen Wolf or like it or would be interested in even starting this show, please tell your friends about our podcast. We would appreciate that greatly. But it's the best thing in my life right now, guys. So, Oh my God, that's so <laughs> bleak. <laughs> On that awful note, uh, we love you guys. Bye. See you later. Bye. <laughs>